The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Hi. <laughs> it's really great to be here. Um, before I get started, I was just thinking about the first time I, I ever came here, and I had never meditated before, and um, I was uh, brought here by a friend that was insistent that we try this new meditation thing. And we came here, and they had this beginner's class, um, which I think was tonight as well, in the back here uh, for people who had never done it before. And... Um, I just was completely skeptical and was so sure this was a cult. I don't know how you feel about that, but that's how it was. I came in with all this angst and just uncertainty, and um, I just remember it so well, actually, the first time just sitting. And um, the I think it was um, just one of the student, Gil's students, who led me through my first meditation. And... Um, how amazing it was to realize that I had no control over this mind. I think we were given this exercise of um, counting to ten, counting up to ten breaths and seeing if you could actually make it. And I don't think I made it past five. And just really it blew my mind and I was just hooked from that point on. So I was just thinking about that. That's It's just really great to be back here and it's a lot of familiar faces and... It just feels really sweet to me. So what I want to talk about is um, something that um, has really been a major part of my practice from the beginning, um, and that is to bring an ease to practice. And this mostly I'll be talking about sitting practice, formal practice like we just did. Um, but it also, you know, as we practice more and more, we find that our practices start to overflow into our everyday life. And ease is really an important one. Um, I think, well, we'll I'll get to that. But um, I have this visual of ease as being on one side of a scale um, ease and lightness and kindness to ourselves being on one side, and more of the technique and the effort, the right effort, um, concentration being on the other side, and possibly um, both of them being balanced out is what brings us to wisdom and insight. And so what I'd like to talk about um, about ease is really taking a look at the different um, uh, practices that we can use um, to increase our ease, increase our openness, um, our spaciousness. And before I get to that, though, I want to talk about what it looks like when we don't have ease in our practice and in our life. So... For me, um, a lot of the times I can feel it in my mind. My mind can be uh, restless or anxious. Um, There's a lot of um, story going on. 
Um, there might be nervousness, which I feel right now. And there's a contraction in that. Um, sometimes it comes out in, uh, in doubt, a doubt of this practice of what we're doing. Um, maybe a fuzziness in the mind. There's this closing off that happens when we're not feeling relaxed, spacious, and at ease. For some people, it comes out in anger, um, maybe uh, becoming agitated very easily. Um, so I'm sure there's plenty more, but those are just a few, and I'm sure we've all experienced that from time to time, and we, we know what that contraction feels like. It doesn't feel good. There's also uh, that contraction in the body. We can recognize it. Easily, I think, in the body, it actually feels like we're tensing our muscles. Maybe we feel it in our stomach, maybe in our chest, in our shoulders. Um, Feeling it in our breath as we breathe in. Can we take that deep breath? So for me, these are all wonderful mindfulness bells in my practice. When, When I experience one of these, contracted states, whether it's in the mind or the body, it becomes just really obvious to me that, okay, I'm, I'm clinging to something here. There's something going on in this moment that I'm pushing away. I'm wanting it to be different. Um, and so when we do that, that pushing away, that clinging, um, that's where that contraction comes from. Our mind gets restless. Our bodies clench up. And when we're in these states of just really holding on um, to whatever the concept is, the idea is, um, really we're experiencing suffering. And we probably, most of you probably know about, the Buddha talked about suffering quite a bit. (laughs) It's one of his main focal points. And talked about this clinging is actually the cause of our suffering. And this practice is meant to relieve that clinging, to let go, allow us to come to some ease in our moment and just be with what is. So I think I'd love to, if you'll indulge me, (laughs) do a little exercise. just take your fists, your hands, and make a fist. Hold it really tight and see how that feels. And now with your feet, do the same with your feet and just really scrunch them up. And then your whole body, I just want you to, yeah, in your face, <laughs> the whole thing. Make a, Yeah, Corey, that's a good one. <laughs> and just hold it for a minute, just really as tight as you can. And try, what does it feel like to breathe? right now? What does it feel like in your body right now? Okay, and now release. And breathe. That spaciousness, that's that opening that allows for stillness, for the opportunity for the mind to quiet, become quiet, for the body to become quiet. It's allowing that ease 
to your mind and body that allows the insights to come. So, as Maureen said, I went to Thailand uh, in 2005, I think I put down. Um, And quickly after arriving there, I wanted to go on meditation retreat. That was one of the major focuses of going. Um, So I went to southern Thailand to a place called Swam Mok, which is a retreat center set up for Westerners. Um, and it came out of the motivation and ideas of Ajahn Buddhadasa. And I got down there and was with a bunch of other beginning meditators. We had never sat a retreat before and just thought this was the coolest thing. We were going to sit in Thailand and it was the real deal, right? So we get there and um, the whole idea of this retreat center is to really give you this idea and this experience of what it's like to be a monastic and um, so just to paint a picture just um, environmentally Thailand is really hot <laughs> we were there um, I think in the hottest time of the year because the tickets were cheap <laughs> and uh, it's very buggy um, you know mosquitoes and ants and biting ants and uh, yeah, just everything you can imagine. Um, and we were given the bare minimum, uh, which was a room. Um, it was probably, my room was about eight by eight, um, with a cement slab with a, uh, grass mat on top of it as the bed. And then we were given a blanket and a mosquito net and a wooden pillow, which is, designed to cut your sleep (laughs) it really works (laughs) and uh you know we got up at i think it started at maybe five in the morning something like that we do our first meditation and it go on until 10 at night and um it was really there was something really magical about the whole experience um and at the same time it was very brutal um and I remember the teachers were wonderful and very sweet um, in teaching us things uh, that for a beginner meditator is, uh, could, was for me, and I think a lot of people there, a bit frustrating, teaching us about concentrated states and how to get into jhanas and, and all these things. And, um, and so I really found myself quite miserable those first couple of days, if you could imagine. And it was really about on the third day that somehow it just clicked. I was completely adding to my suffering. I was so caught up in this poor me story. What am I doing here? There was all this story, all these thoughts going on of, you know, I can't do this. I'm, you know, who am I fooling? I am not a meditator. This is not what I signed up for. All of this stuff was coming up. And I felt this in the contraction was definitely there. And uh, so it clicked with me at some point that, wow, 
I'm really making this even worse than it already is. <laughs> and, you know, in Buddhism, they talk about the second dart. Is anyone, everyone familiar with the second dart? Maybe a few people. So the second dart, um, the idea is, you know, that first dart, it's kind of like if you stub your toe and the pain that comes from stubbing your toe, you know, that first ouch. And then the second dart is our reaction to it. The second dart is the story of, oh, that was so stupid. Why did I stub my toe? And then there might be many more darts that follow that. And this is something that we do often, and we're not even that aware of it. Uh, Through practice, we become more and more aware of it. Um, But this is something, when I'm talking about ease, this adding to our experience, adding to... uh, to reality, at really creating a reality that isn't really real. It's very much in our heads. And, and how much contraction that brings. So here I was in this retreat, and it suddenly dawned on me, okay, this is what I'm doing, so what do you do about it? Um, so I started a metta practice. And metta means loving kindness. And you can do metta to yourself, or you can do metta for anybody. And at this time, I was doing metta for myself. Um, and in metta, you say uh, a series of phrases over and over again. And commonly, they, they might be, may I be happy, may I be healthy, may I have ease. And I started to say these to myself, these phrases, over and over again, as I was sitting there in the meditation hall, as I was standing in the lunch line, you know, as as I was doing my yogi job, as I was taking a rest, I just continued to repeat these to myself, and there was this opening that started to happen, this relaxation in my body and in my mind, and this love, basically, that I was sending myself, it just started to melt away, at that contraction that was happening. And as that happened, I started to look around and realize that, wow, everyone else here is looking like they're suffering too. Everyone's fidgeting as they're sitting. No one can sit still. You know, everyone's swatting at the mosquitoes and no one, you know, I don't think anybody was smiling whatsoever, which I know meditation retreats, there's not a lot of smiling that goes on, but it was looking pretty miserable. So I started really um, feeling this compassion well up in me for everyone that was there. And suddenly my metta practice, it wasn't just may I be happy, may we all be happy, may we all be healthy, may we all be at ease. And this spaciousness just grew and grew and grew. And this relaxation, I could sit with the bugs, I could sit in the hall in the heat, you know, the food, you know, it was okay. <laughs> you know, it was, it was really okay. Everything that was happening was okay. And I could relax. And so... This compassion that we feel, when compassion arises, it's usually because we can understand um, the suffering of the people around us. It's, um, we're able to connect in that way. We've been there. And so part of, for me, bringing ease to my practice is 
really um, being in that connection, seeing that, you know, things aren't always easy and this is the way of things and we all have that, we all share that. And uh, there can be a real sweetness in that. And so bringing compassion to ourselves sometimes is the hardest thing to do. It's, it's somehow easier for most of us. I, I'll speak for myself, but I, I'm seeing a lot of nods. <laughs> so I think people are relating to the fact that it's a lot easier to just be compassionate to the person next to you, but it's not so easy to turn that around onto ourselves. So what is it about, what is it really about that? Um, I ask that all the time. I have a hard time with it myself. Why can't I be as good a friend to myself as I can be to others? So take a moment and just go inside, shut your eyes, and just feel yourself sitting. And we'll just explore this a little bit. And imagine a really good friend sitting in front of you. And just imagine you're telling that person something. Maybe it's something you've told them recently. Some uh, hardship or um, talking about a discomfort or... Um, something that is just not going well in life. Maybe you're telling them about your last meditation (laughs) sitting and maybe there was discomfort in that. And see how they are actually reacting. How How do they greet you in that place with their compassion? You know, their warmth, their understanding. How does that feel? And now imagine that your friend is now telling you something, something difficult going on in their life, a stress. Maybe it's something they've come to you recently about. And you want to be a really good friend to this person, and so you're warm and kind to them. You're holding that space. How does that feel? Can we just say to our friend, it's okay. You're all right. I'm here for you. When you're ready, you can open your eyes. So we obviously have this capacity to be a good friend, to give this love. So... It's really, um, I think, an important part of this practice, whether we're sitting in meditation or we're just out in life and just being with what comes up just isn't always easy. Can we be okay with that? Can we turn to ourselves and say, it's okay, you're okay, and I'm here for you. In the exercise, I don't know if you were able to connect with it, and if not, that's okay too. 
But if you were, you may have felt just an ease that comes when we're able to really be there for somebody. I think that when we're able to be there for ourselves, we can bring on our own ease. We have our... hmm, We have the capacity to really... um, not sure of the word I want to use, but really almost be in charge of uh, our compassion, really being able to bring that up in whatever moment. We just have to remember that's the hard part. But that's what we're practicing for, is to catch those moments. I think another part of bringing ease to this practice, uh, an important practice in itself is asking ourselves, what do I need in this moment? What do I really need? And maybe it is compassion for yourself. Maybe it's not something you can do in that moment. Maybe it's reaching out to a friend or a teacher. We sometimes there's a want to uh, stay in this persona of the meditator and I'm going to sit here through whatever difficulty it may be and I'm not going to move and yeah, I'm really struggling right now but I'm going to sit through it. And for some people, that's really great. You can actually learn quite a bit from that. And for others, you may want to ask yourself, what do I really need right now? What's really appropriate for me right now? I just got off of a retreat. Um, I did a week long at Spirit Rock uh, through the Dedicated Practitioner Program, and I was sick through half of it. I had this horrible head cold, and um, you know, physically it was just pretty miserable in that way. But I found that the more and more I kept asking myself, what do I need right now, and really tapping into my body, and seeing where it was at. And a lot of the times it said, go rest, you know, or get some fresh air, or um, the answer wasn't always, although sometimes it was, it wasn't always to go and sit for 45 minutes to an hour. I mean, um, and I really wrestled with it. I thought, okay, I'm on retreat. You only have, get so many opportunities to do this. And But when I would ask myself, what do I really, really, truly need right now? The answer wasn't always, go, you know, sit like a good meditator. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's a real wisdom that comes in our practice. We can learn quite a bit um, by asking ourselves that question, really getting to know ourselves That's a part of what we're doing, is really looking into our innermost habits, our tendencies, but also um, really understanding our bodies and our minds, our souls, very intimately. We begin to really know ourselves. We begin to trust ourselves. Sometimes the wisdom uh, will tell us we need to talk to a teacher 
about this. This is a little over our heads. But it's asking ourselves, what do I need right now? And really paying attention to what that need is. This is something we can do in our everyday lives outside of practice. And I think in this actually brings a continuity of practice. Um, We continue our, our questioning and our examining of what's going on in this moment. What do I, what's really going on? What do I need in this moment? It can really overflow into our work day, hanging out with family and friends. You know, this is where the practice starts to take life in our lives. Well, another uh, major part, and it's actually kind of related, but really related to everything I've said so far, um, but it's changing our attitudes towards what's going on in this moment. When we're sitting and, you know, our legs are hurting or our back aches or my mind is going crazy and won't stop thinking, thinking, thinking. You know, is our attitude when we bring our mind back to our breath, you know, okay, I'm bringing it back. Just stay there. Just don't go anywhere. And, or, you know, oh, damn it, I I just thought again. You know, what's our attitude when we're sitting here? Are we being stiff about it? Are we being kind about it? It's actually an easy shift. We can even fake it a little bit. Just, okay, you know, I'm thinking again. Let's bring it back. You're okay. That's fine. Just this shift into kindness to ourselves. You know, where there's this idea of the meditator, and meditators, they stay on their breath. And I don't know why I can't do it. Everyone else in this room can stay on their breath. I can tell. You know, what's the story that's going on? What are we getting caught up with? And where is our attitude being pulled towards those negative thoughts? Can we change it? Can we change it in our everyday life? When things get stressful, life is stressful. Can we look for something that relieves that stress? Can we somehow shift our thought? from, boy, this really, this isn't working out for me right now. And, you know, if that doesn't work out, then this other thing is going to just blow up in my face. And if that blows up in my face, then this person's not going to talk to me. Oh, I know I'm going to have to talk to them, and this is what I'm going to say about it. And, you know, you can just quickly go down that rabbit hole. It's kind of like, uh, I have this visual right now of looking down a pipe, and all you see at the very end is your reality in that contracted moment. When you remove that pipe, when you become open and aware and really, okay, let's see what's really going on right now, we'll often find that what's happening right now in this moment 
is perfectly fine. And so it's just that little switch, that little turn of attention, that turn of our attitude towards what's going on. Not clinging to how we think things should be going. It's so easy to do. And I'm thinking right now, um, you know, the story that I told about when I first came uh, here and started meditating and just, you know, just even thinking about it brings this kind of lightness and this excitement and um, this wonder of the mystery of all this. And when I think about, you know, switching our attention, I don't want to, I'd like to talk a little bit about that too, it's just really coming back in our practice, uh, bringing that interest back into our practice. Many of you, this may be the beginning of your practice, and you might still really be in that space of, wow, this is so new and so exciting. For some of you, you may have been doing this for a while, and, you know, another breath is just another breath. You know, you get a lot of them. And so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, let's hope. So it's really, you know, can we maybe the next time sitting make a, make a game of it? Just seeing how how excited, even if you're just kind of mm, being dramatic about it, it's totally fine to be dramatic about your practice. Wow, that's another breath. Oh, there's another one. Wow, that when it that one came in, it was really cool at the tip of my nose. And the other one when it went out, it was kind of warm and if I if I could put a color to that breath, what would it be? You know, how can we liven up and really play with our practice? I don't know if it's talked about that much, but it's I think it's a good idea. I think we can be playful with it and just bring that lightness and that ease with that. It's kind of like a toddler that goes running around. They've got to touch everything. You know, they're putting stuff in their mouth. Everything's new and fresh and exciting. And they're just exploring. And so taking that attitude to our practice of, wow, this is another breath. And it's totally new. I've never had this breath. This is really kind of exciting. Oh, my mind just went over here. I can't believe I just thought that. I can't tell anyone that. That's horrible. And bringing it back. And, you know, just how, what's our attitude with it? So it really can bring all of these things, can bring an incredible openness to our practice, that lightness, that spaciousness. And when we do that, it's that open awareness that, you know, no matter what's going on in that moment, that really allows that space for your mind to quiet, for your mind and body to have ease. And in that place, we can become concentrated. We can tap into our wisdom
think I'll stop there. But um, I'll, we can spend a little time uh, if people have questions or if they'd like to share something. I love to hear if people have ideas of their own on how they bring ease to their practice or if they have a story to tell. Stories are always good. So I'd like to open it up to all of you. And we have a mic, I think. Yeah, great. Uh, it's my first time uh, listening to you, and um, I'm really grateful that you came mm-hmm. and um, share your experience with us. Thank you. And I haven't heard that topic very much, although I recited a lot about the ease, and I just know that it's it's critical. So what what came to my mind when you said that was... Uh, like a legal term, we're talking about an easement outside a building. And what that means is that there's space around the parameter. And so when I think of ease, then I want space. I want internal space. And... Because I know I've been frustrated by external space, but, you know, it's not about what's outside. It's about what's inside. And so if I can create internal space, then it doesn't matter where I am. Hmm. The second thing I'm thinking about, also because my pants are tight, because I was eating, I ate at Fresh Choice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I'm thinking about ease around my stomach. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's like, well, you know, that, you know, they use it as a sewing term, too, I think. You know, like an ease, easement and ease, ease the, uh, the, the seam, ease, you know, ease, and also the word easy. Mm-hmm. And so ease, easy, you know, it's like spacious, spacious awareness. That's the term I hear. Mm-hmm. It's very, very powerful. Very powerful. It's so funny because the power is, there's power in, in space. Yeah. And so people think, you know, in the contraction or when they're angry or when they're holding, they think, oh, I'm powerful, you know, when I'm holding and I'm angry. But actually that's, it's really a contraction. It's not a spaciousness. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. When it's, it's like when you were all in your balls and scrunched up. I mean, there's no room for anything else. How, are you, how do we become concentrated and calm our minds and have insights when we're like this? I mean, it doesn't, yeah. But it's very, I think, I don't know if it's a cultural thing or what it is, but we tend to think that, you know, if I just sit here really rigid and not move, I'm going to get you know, somewhere, <laughs> whatever that is. But really, it's about, I can sit here like a rock, but I can be totally soft as well. And I think that's where the insights and the practice really begins to flower. So thank you. Is there anybody else?
Thank you for sharing. Um, I was just wondering, why didn't you leave? Why did you decide? Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of, some people did leave. You know, um, I guess for me personally, um, I just knew that that's where I wanted to be. I wanted to experience what I was experiencing. And also... Something that I've learned through practice, actually, is that is to really be with what's coming up. So even when it's really hard and it's really difficult, um, that's where that right effort comes in. For me, right effort um, is not so much a striving to become something, um, to make my meditation look like something. For me, it's showing up. There's a lot of effort, actually, that needs to be made to just show up, whether I feel like sitting or not. You know, I'm going to, you know, I like to sit every single day, and sometimes I don't feel like it, but I show up on my cushion, and I sit. And whatever arises, whether my mind is, you know, way out here, isn't really the point. So in Thailand, to really answer your question, I think that's really the attitude I had was, I was there to really be there, and um, and so that's how I stuck it out. Now, if I hadn't figured it out after three days, I don't know. The story might be totally different, but that's how it went. So, um, yeah. Anybody else? Sorry, okay. It's okay. There you are. I can okay. hear you. Yeah. Um, I was really impressed with the little mention of you doing mindfulness in the public schools in Oakland. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering, you know, with all the people that we have that come through here, mm-hmm. if there ever was a project that people might be able to help with here in public schools in Redwood City. Mm. Like and yeah. I just wondered if you wanted to speak at all to that. Because all listening to you, I was imagining I was this little kid listening to you. <laughs> I think that would work. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Um, it's um, I haven't been in the school yet. Or it's a new... I think I phrased it as a new adventure. I haven't been there yet. Um, I'm supposed to start in a week, and um, but have been working with them uh, for the last month or so. Just the planning of it all. It's a new. Uh, is everyone familiar? Probably not. Mindfulness and education. Give it a plug. It's yeah. Do you have flyers? Check it out. This is such a worthwhile uh, endeavor that Richard Shankman, Lori Grossman, um, and Megan Cowell um, have taken on, and they're starting it in the Oakland public school systems, and they're teaching these kids mindfulness, meditation. It's incredible. Um, These are kids who, 
you know, this is, it's a really scary world for them. Uh, they're coming out of all areas in Oakland. These schools are really rough. These kids um, have a lot of fear and even just closing their eyes. And um, school isn't necessarily a safe place. So what they're doing is giving these kids a tool um, of mindfulness to give themselves that space uh, to see what's actually going on in the moment, to um, think before reacting, things like this. And they've been doing it for a full year now. And um, uh, the what they're able to do with these kids is just phenomenal. And I think they have a link to the web start site through Park Day Schools is the is the um, organization that's funding this, and and they need donations. And um, it would be just such a worthwhile thing to check out if if you're looking for wanting to support um, a local Bay Area program. I give this one a thumbs up. So, thank you. <laughs> Anybody else? If not, I think let's just take um, just a few minutes. We'll do a quick ending meditation.
Thank you. This is really wonderful.